0: Support for this podcast is provided by the University of California, Irvine School of Law Graduate Tax Program. This preeminent and innovative program prepares students to practice tax law at the highest level in the U.S. and abroad. Featuring a low student to faculty ratio, cutting edge technology instruction, and dedicated career support, UCI's Graduate Tax Program helps prepare students for a future in tax law. Program graduates are placed in top tax related industries practicing law in many major U.S. cities. Applications are open now. For more information and to apply to this highly selective program, visit law.uci.edu gradtax. That's law.uci.edu gradtax. Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, the information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Tax Notes Today International. This week, new acronym. On September 12th, the European Commission released its long-awaited Corporate Tax Harmonization Plan. The Business in Europe Framework for International Taxation, or BFIT, proposal follows other attempts that ran into insurmountable opposition from member states. So what makes this plan different, and will we finally see a successful effort? Here to talk more about this is Brussels reporter Elodie Lemaire. Elodie, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So why don't we start off with just the basics. What is this BFIT proposal?
1: So BFIT stands for Business in Europe Framework for Income Taxation. And it's basically an attempt of the Commission to uh, try to harmonize certain aspects of uh, corporate income tax in Europe.
0: So what, what's this need to, to harmonize coming from?
1: Here in Europe, we have an internal market with a lot of common rules, for example, for consumer protection and so on. But when it comes to tax rules, companies that operate cross-border have to operate with 27 different tax systems. So it's a lot of compliance costs for them. It's uh, it's, an incentive not to operate cross-border and for EU competitiveness, which is something that uh, the Commission is always talking about right now. It's important, especially because we want to have a better competitiveness after the U.S. came up with its uh, Inflation Reduction Act, though BFIT was a project that was planned before the uh, Inflation Reduction Act.
0: So some of your your description of this proposal, it it rings familiar. Have there been uh, similar efforts in the past?
1: Sure. Well, the Commission right now has made it clear that it doesn't like the comparisons, but they've tried to come up with common rules um, in 2011 and 2016. Um, the 2016 attempt was already a lower ambition proposal, as you know, you have you would have co- a common corporate tax rule, but then you would consolidate profits and then you would share the taxation between member states and back then the commission wanted to um to have a formulary what they call a formulary apportionment so you would um divide the taxation of those profits based on sales the number of employees in each country and uh the assets such as building um which they did not do this time
0: so i i take you're talking about this the uh, if i remember correctly the common consolidated corporate tax base so CCCTB. As the 2011. And then the the 2016 was when they when they lopped off a C? Yeah,
1: we had in 2016, we had CCTB and CCCTB, because in the EU, apparently we love um, walking step by step. Uh, So they wanted the EU member states to actually agree on harmonization of certain element of the tax base. And then as a second step, if they still had appetite for that, then we would have the consolidation aspect, which is the extra C.
0: Support for this podcast is provided by the University of Cincinnati. Discover your path to success with the University of Cincinnati's online Master of Science in Taxation program. The world class faculty at the Lindner College of Business will prepare you to take the next step in your career with a curriculum designed to help you enhance your expertise. Earn your degree with one of the nation's top programs while maintaining your work life balance. Don't wait, seize this opportunity to become a future tax leader. Apply now at online.uc.edu taxation. That's online.uc.edu taxation. So now that we're leaving behind those other proposals, what's in this new BFIT proposal?
1: So the first one was already, the 2011 one was already withdrawn when they came up with the second one. Um, and then they're supposed to withdraw the 2016 Uh, CCTB and CCCTB, and now we're only supposed to discuss BFIT. So BFIT, basically there are two main changes compared to the uh, 2011 and 2016 proposals. The first one is that the Commission has decided to give up this formulary apportionment based on sales, um, employees, number of employees and uh, assets even though until uh, April they were saying that they were considering it and they were even considering a formula with a force factor, uh, which was intangible, which was really controversial. But in the end, they decided that um, we would have some sort of transitional allocation rules between member states where um, they say each member of the BFIT group will have a percentage of the aggregated tax base calculated on the basis of the average of the taxable results in the previous three fiscal years, so based on um, the percentage of tax you paid, the, the, you would you would aggregate um, the tax base based on your taxable results in the three fiscal previous fiscal years uh, in each in each member state. And then the second the second main change that they did is that they didn't come up with um, a proper. Uh, set of, of rules to uh, calculate the tax base but they just said that each group will calculate their tax base um by making some adjustment to their financial accounting statement and there they took an inspiration uh from uh, from pillar two of the global tax plan so these are the two um the two main changes I guess they did from uh, compared to the uh 2016 um proposal and it's quite clever because this um this you know, in, in the EU, we have small countries uh, with a very low, um, lo- very low population, very little population. Um, and then we have big member states. So if you do something based on the number of employees or um, the sales, uh, you could really disadvantage um, smaller countries. And it's been a problem in the past. So maybe this would have been settled with the uh, intangibles um, introduced in the formula. But uh, the commission went for the easiest way. But what they say is that, you know, we they don't have the data to propose a, a good formula right now. So they want to see. I think they said that the last data that they have is um, from 2018. And now we're going to implement pillar two in, in January. Um, and many things will change. We don't know how a company will, will react, um, how behavioral changes can happen. So basically, the commission is saying, we will reflect also based on the implementation of pillar two. And then um, after BFIT is into force, a few years after, I think it's four four years after, we will, um, if needed, if appropriate, we will propose a formulary apportionment. And if we don't, then um, this this statistical formula based on on uh, your taxable result from the three previous year will become the rule. So it's it's possible that we will never have a formula based on sales, labor, cost, and uh, and assets.
0: But at least this proposal would get to a common tax base. I take it.
1: Sure, it would be like they say, it would be a massive simplification for for companies. Um, they also believe that it will reduce. Um, avenues for tax abuses. And uh, when it comes to compliance cost, I think that the commission says um, the new simple rules of BFIT could reduce uh, businesses current tax compliance cost up to 65%. That's what they
0: say. So it it seems that there there may be a lot of benefits to this. What are member states saying? Is, Is this running into similar opposition that previous proposals saw?
1: So what I've heard so far is that it's clever because it leaves the most controversial aspect um, out of the proposal and, like, the hard talks are for later. Um, What is true also, and that I heard from stakeholders, is that um, we will implement Pillar 2. There's a lot of changes coming. So businesses do not really want this right now. It doesn't seem like they really want this right now. Um, there's, There's some kind of reform fatigue at some point also, because we've had... Um, many anti-abuse proposals over the last few years that were adopted. The ATAT 1, ATAT 2, they're still negotiating the the proposal to tackle the misuse of of shell companies. So there's been a lot of um, corporate income tax proposal over the last few years. And and I think companies want to digest everything before they they get to BFIT, even if BFIT is supposed to be a simplification. So maybe if... If members say see that there is not a broad support from companies or that they ask for more time. And I mean, those, those kind of proposals, they take years to, ne- to negotiate because you need unanimity.
0: Support for this podcast is provided by Practicing Law Institute. Check out Practicing Law Institute's popular tax strategies program taking place this fall. Attend this essential corporate tax program, where you'll receive the latest information, strategies, and practical insights from leading tax practitioners. For more details and to register, visit pli.edu slash taxstrategies23. That's pli.edu slash taxstrategies23. So, you mentioned um, yeah, the anti tax avoidance directives that are out there, the Unshell proposal. Are there other corporate tax proposals that are that are out there that we, we should be tracking?
1: So, with the uh, BFIT proposal, the commission came up with two uh, other proposals one that it called HOT. So, the same day we had BFIT and HOT. So, BFIT will be only mandatory for companies with a turnover of uh, f- 750 million a year um and it would be optional for for smaller companies but the commission wants smes to be able to speak to the uh, tax office of their own country to be able to um to do their tax business if if they operate cross-border. So that's a a second simplification, the second proposal that the commission presented the same day and still the same day, they came up with a proposal on transfer pricing. So what the commission explained a few months ago was that this proposal would be some sort of reaction to their failure, their their loss in the FIAT case. So basically the commission was saying that um, Luxembourg gave an undue tax advantage to FIAT, and the court said that the commission was wrong because the commission um, applied the transfer pricing OECD guidelines and not the Luxembourgish transfer pricing guidelines. So the the um, the court said you cannot use OECD guidelines and put it above. Uh, the national um, national guidelines. So basically, the Commission wants to put it in EU law, so it will be applied, the OECD guidelines will be applied the very same way in every member state. So that's, uh, that's a second proposal that they came up with this year. But what we have to know is that we have 24 languages in the EU, and now member states will have to wait for the official translation of each of these proposals. It might take months before we have a first political... Debate, so it might take months uh, before we know what member states really think once they've read everything into details, when they've consulted with their industry also. So um, it might take months before um, we can see clearly what the positions are.
0: Okay, so what is the next official step? So we'll hear from the the member states on on what they think of this, but what is the next step that the EU as an institution has to take?
1: So, member states will start discussing it at technical level. Um, They will read article by article and ask questions to the commission to make sure that they understand everything that is in the proposal. Then, like the uh, tax experts that are based in Brussels will report back to their capitals. Uh, The text will be translated in all
2: uh, languages.
1: Um, And then, I guess, at some point, uh, I hope. Because it it happens that we don't sometimes um, have a first ministerial debate. And what is good with these debates is that they are public. So we can see uh, what every country thinks or the position of each country. Um, and then it will go back to technical, to the technical level. And sometimes they will ask for political guidance if there's something that is too controversial. It also has to be seen if member states will want to adopt some of the texts and not the other, you know, like, for example, if they really like the transfer pricing directive, will they decide that they can adopt it without BFIT or without the uh, SME proposal, the HUD proposal? It's, um, I don't think it's clear yet. So, yeah, basically, these are the next steps. The, The parliament will also have to give an opinion on the proposal. And um, their, their opinion is non binding, but as, as long as they don't adopt it legally, the council cannot adopt BFIT. But it will take years of negotiation if, if this time it
0: succeeds. Well, it sounds like there is a lot to digest in this, but we should have plenty of time to do it. Elodie, uh, thank you so much for, for being here and, and talking to us. Thank you. <laughs> Now, coming attractions. Each week we highlight new and interesting commentary in our magazines. Joining me now is Acquisitions and Engagement Editor-in-Chief Paige Jones. Paige, what will you have for us?
2: Thanks, Dave. In Tax Notes Federal, Eli Dubin examines the tax treatment of purchasers of loan assets from banks in FDIC receivership. Bradley Borden argues for extending like-kind exchange deadlines to the next business day. In Tax note State, Lynn Gandhi wonders what happened to allocable income. Five Deloitte practitioners discuss recent changes in apportionment systems that make it challenging to apply standard apportionment rules to economic activity. In Tax Notes International, Bojai Kuzniaki analyzes the clash between Pillar 2 and international investment agreements. Lorraine Eden critiques the latest public consultation document for Pillar 1, Amount B. She proposes options for increasing the likelihood of its adoption and success. And finally, in featured analysis, Marie Sapiri considers the implications of a proposed bill that would require OIRA to review tax regulations.
0: That's it for this week. You can follow me online at taxstew, that's S-T-E-W, and be sure to follow at tax Notes for all things tax. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com slash podcast. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to tax notes. Thank you for listening and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk.